What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. This is Real Reality Realness with Brian K. James, the podcast where I, your host, Brian, interview figures in music, reality TV, and pop culture about their lives, their perspectives, and their platforms. Join me five days a week as I get to know some of my favorite people through their points of view and their journeys to their personal greatness. Lock in while I clock in, because we are about to get into it. going on everybody brian k james here and i'm so excited to let you know that this podcast is being brought to you in part by outlander media network outlander's mission is to bring you the most exclusive alternative content from across the web from the farthest reaches invading your space we appreciate every single one of you guys for tuning in and never want you to forget to embrace your inner outlander I am Brian K. James, and this is Real Reality Realness. Alrighty, welcome and welcome back to the show. This is Real Reality Realness. I am Brian K. James, and I put the mess in the message. I am so excited to have this person on the show today. They are a DIY expert, builder, woodworker, homemaker, all of the DIY fantasy to your dreams. But you may remember her as the runner-up on Cycle 6 of America's Next Top Model. And I cannot wait to get to know her better. Ladies, gentlemen, and every gender or lack thereof in between, join me in welcoming to the show, Joni. How are you doing, beautiful? Well, hello there. I'm doing good. How are you? (laughs) I am doing so good. Thank you so much for taking my call and making some time for me in your schedule. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. That means the (laughs) (laughs) world. Tell me. I I love doing doing podcasts because I know, like, there's so many um you know there's so many fans of the of the top model that have so many unanswered questions and it's just great to be like here's a little bit of tea <laughs> <laughs> i absolutely love that so tell me what are you most looking forward to in 2023 this year mm. man well like okay so i turned 40 uh in 2021 And I just, you know what they say, like, when you get older, you kind of don't care anymore what people think. And I feel like that is so true. And so this year, I just hope that feeling continues and it just gets better and better and stronger and stronger because for so long, I was so self-centered or so worried about what other people thought about me or, you know, how I looked to others and things like that. It's not that I don't think 
like I, my outward appearance, you know, is changing to, you know what I mean? Not, not like that kind of actually how I look to people, but like just in general, like I want to live my life. I want to be free. I want to make the decisions I want to make without caring about, you know, what people think. So that's what I want for 2023. I want more carefree life and just have fun. That is, <laughs> I love that. I need to take a page out of your book because... <laughs> Because with me being on this new wave of me trying to enter into the entertainment industry, it's kind of like I'm stuck in that catch-22 of like making sure you always be yourself and remain Mm -hmm. in it. And then getting caught up in that trap of like, well, what works? What sells? What do people want? What do people want? Exactly. Oh my gosh, you just nailed it really truly because... Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm dealing with that too because, like, you know, so much of my life and, and it's on social media, and that's a, not a huge part of my income, but it does attribute to, you know, being seen as for potential TV shows or brands to work with you. So you always have to kind of care in some regard, but I think at the end of the day, like you're right, like you have to find that balance. Yeah, and it's totally hard for me because the only reason I'm on social media is because I have a podcast to promote. Like, <laughs> like if I wasn't actually doing things, I would never be on the internet. Except me, for- <laughs> me too. <laughs> so I'm like, uh, while I'm here, because I because I am here begrudgingly and against my will. <laughs> <laughs> right. For real, though. Like seriously, sometimes I'm like. I won't post for like two weeks and then people are like where are you and I'm like oh I'm sorry like I literally hate Instagram (laughs) and the only reason I have a Facebook is because of my family that's it see I love that because I because like it's like you've been gone for two weeks what happened I was living you're like I was living hello (laughs) I I was just being alive you know (laughs) yeah exactly Speaking of living, for Mm -hmm. the people who don't know, which I'm sure my listeners know exactly who you are, but for the probably two people in the entire world who don't know who you are, who is Joni? Well, I mean, I think as far as TV goes, I am most remembered from America's Next Top Model. I was runner-up and I was the girl that got my teeth done. <laughs> a lot of people were like, oh, you're the tooth girl. I remember that. <laughs> and, <I'm here. laughs> and then they like, and then I see them like look right at my mouth. <laughs> They're like, oh my God, yeah, I recognize you. Oh my gosh, you're joining from, oh, okay. And then they stare at my teeth. I'm like, and I smile real big, like there, here they are. Like, like it's the same teeth. <laughs> Enjoy. <the> same teeth. <laughs> um, but nowadays, I am, yeah, like you said in your intro, woodworker, DIYer, and yeah, just living my life as a handy person and just killing it and taking orders and making people's houses look cool. I love that. Yeah. Let's go back just a little bit before we get into what you're doing today, because I kind of mm-hmm. jump all the way across the board. So I plan on going from uh-huh. your childhood to your woodworking dive into America's Next Time Model a little bit and then get back to you. Okay. So, when did you fall in love with reality TV? Mm, So, I remember, I don't know how old I was. I'd have to do some math and look at when things came out. But, 
I used to love watching the real world MTV and um, Road Rules came out. And um, I mean, heck, I used to even watch Days of Our Lives. And I know that's not reality TV, but to me, that was like the beginning of like soap operas were that addictive drama. You tune in every day. You want to watch what happens, even though you know that Bo Brady isn't a real person, you know, whatever. (laughs) But like, I always loved soap operas, but then when like the real world world came out, for some reason, okay, I was never allowed to watch MTV, by the way. My parents were very strict. But for some reason, like that, when they saw that on TV, they just kind of walked by because they were like, oh, it's not music videos. It's not Madonna with her cone bra. It's just people on TV. So we don't care about that. So real world was definitely super addictive to me. And then everything came out. Then it was like, you know, gosh, there was so many. There were like... um, uh, what was that one like be puff daddy's assistant and then like you know all those different shows i mean they they just became a fab part of your fabric of your life you know because that was this is before myspace this is before facebook and there was nothing else to watch or to talk about so it became a huge addictive thing and i that's like totally my era <laughs> the 90s and all the crazy stuff you have to remind me here because I am still waiting for them to reboot Road Rules to this day. I'm still waiting. It's so, it was so good. It was, it was so good. Good. It was um, great. MTV, do your home. Grow up. I know, right? Come on, give us back what we want. Give us what we um, want. And what was that one show where it was like a dating game, but it was on a bus and like you have to get on the bus and you're like, oh, next next i used to love that show iconic like if they would bring back road rules room raiders and next i would be the happiest kid in a candy store oh, like definitely oh good time. oh yeah and okay so totally side note and maybe you know this because you sound like you you know you know your history but Ooh. Okay, there's a comedian. His name is Theo Vaughn. Was he on Road Rules or Real World? I feel like um, he looks so familiar, and I'm like, I feel like he was one of the first people in one of those shows. He's like a comedian. He's kind of like, I think he's from like Louisiana or something. And he's, I don't know, he's not my cup of tea, but I look at his face and I'm like, I feel like he was on Real World or Road Rules or something. He was on Road Rules. Oh, okay. Okay, then you're right. Yep, then that's what it is. Because I'm like, I was like, why does that name sound so familiar to me too? I was like, wait. Because you like, like those people, you'll never forget their face. You'll never forget them. Yes, because I was not a big real world watcher growing up, but I was an Mm -hmm. avid of, uh, of, um. Road rule, road rule. Then when the challenge started, I was like, Oh, the challenges, those were so great. And I was, I always thought like, gosh, I want to be on this show so bad. And that's like kind of where I'm like, maybe I should try out to be on this. Also, I was a big fan of back in those days, there was like the the MTV like spring break. So it was like this huge event that happened at the beach. And it was like, you know, Cindy Crawford was either there or Daisy Fuentes or, or like whoever was at the beach and they were talking about the parties going on and you got to come down and there'd be people dancing and like they'd show people dancing to a DJ and you'd like watch them all dance. It'd be like a competition. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> I was like obsessed with that. And I was like, oh my God, when I get to 
college or whatever high school college I'm gonna do that and like obviously things changed but like that was all my obsession for reality tv like that's when it all began I was the exact same person I used to like that was the only reason that I wanted to grow up was so that I can go to Cancun (laughs) I go to Cabo for spring break (laughs) I was like I have to be at BET spring bling like oh my gosh I love that that was a great show too and I used to be obsessed with 106 and Park and I used to want to be like go to like the filming of that show so bad because they always had like the coolest people were there the best interviews and like I remember the first time I went to New York City I'm like where's 106 and Park and they're like that's way the heck up there (laughs) I'm like oh okay well never mind it's not a midtown you are after my own heart because literally (laughs) that's literally one of the main reasons why why I'm doing this podcast right now is because they ever reboot 106 and Park this will be my resume (laughs) yes that was a great show Yes, I, I I do these interviews seven days a week, and I put out new new episodes Monday through Friday. I am ready. Stephen <laughs> Hill, Deborah Lee, yes, call me. Yes, it was so good. Oh God, oh, now, it's great. Now, getting back into you a little bit, describe mm-hmm. the first time that you felt talented. Hmm. It's funny you asked me that. I had a conversation with my father-in-law actually, and and you know he and I don't talk about a lot of things like deep. You know, it's more like, hey, how you doing? Nice to see you. Christmas, you know, Thanksgiving type thing. But what he does for a living is he sells, well, not sells, but he creates like life plan goal things for for corporations and businesses and people and individualized things to kind of help you get on track with what your goals are and and what you want out of your life. And he bases it a lot in Christianity. So it's very God driven and things. But anyway, so he had, he was talking to me about that because I have, I actually have to be a a keynote speaker at this convention in March. And I'm like, I don't know where to begin. And he was like, when was the first time you felt like, accomplished at something like someone said you were good at something when's the first time you remember being praised for what you were good at and I think that's kind of like what you're asking too and like oh you know that's funny I think if I have to go back and remember the first time someone you know black you know quote-unquote clapped for me and like you know oh you're good at this it was probably when I was like a little kid maybe I don't know 10 years old and I remember doing a skit I wrote a skit and I performed it at at church camp like in front of all these people and I had hired hired well I asked my friends hey you want to be in my skit I had scripts I had different scripts laid out and we did this funny skit and like people were like I mean I got so much praise and attention for that and it just was like this huge eye-opener for me that performing or that sort of creative outlet of writing and performing things and being an actor was kind of like that thing for me and it's kind of stuck with me ever since you know that is awesome super random shows and and down to the church camp yes it was so random too it was like my skit was about 
it was called like underdog or underdog girl or something about like super dog I can't remember it was something about like a girl who wore like uh, speedos on the outside of her clothes and she had a cape it was very strange but yes. nonetheless <laughs> yes I love it oh, female captain underpants we love that's it. exactly what I was that's probably what inspired it it's hilarious I love that now compare the first time that you felt talented to the first time you felt beautiful. Hmm. Beautiful in my own eyes or someone said I was beautiful? To you, when was the first time you looked at yourself and was like, I'm that girl. Like, hmm. I'm thinking it. She's hmm. giving. Mm-hmm. I was probably maybe in college. I mean, I was never, I never thought I was pretty in high school or middle school or anything. I was a very awkward kid, got picked on. You know, you got the bad skin, you try to cover it up with the makeup and your eyebrows are all bushy as hell and you're just trying to look cute with your your dollar store li- eyeliner because that's all you could buy because you weren't allowed to wear makeup. Um, you know, just, I was not cute in high school and I didn't feel good about myself really. And then, but I think in, in college, I lived in the dorms my freshman year and um, I just kind of like was able to express myself a little bit more and you know you you borrow your friends clothes and you you go out and then you know for the night and you go to some little like 18 and over club and you just feel all cute I remember um, also during that time my freshman year someone was like you should you know you could be a model you should take pictures and I'm like oh okay and I remember doing a photo shoot in the dorm room, the dorm hall showers in my big bikini. <laughs> and like the water was running on me and my makeup was running. <laughs> yeah. And I look back at those pictures because you have to go get them developed, you know, because these are the old days. The good old and you go take you go take the film, you take it over to Walmart or wherever and you go get it developed. And like getting the pictures back and you're looking through them and you're like, oh my gosh, like look at this, how cool I look, you know. That was you probably were- the first time I felt cute. <laughs> You are so ready for America's Next Top Model in the water <laughs> running, make up a mess, feeling it, serving. Yes, I yes. can pictures now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to post some of those old ones because that that was actually before Top Model was even on TV. I can that was imagine. So long ago. I, I would love to see that, like, like you know, with the caption, the first picture in my portfolio. Yes. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty hilarious cuz I'm I'm back in those days I used to love the tanning bed. So I, your girl was like a shade of whatever kind of whatever kind of to- uh, what's that lotion called? Bronzer I had on my skin and I looked dreadfully dry and so gross and I'm like it was so unhealthy to do that to your skin back in those days, but I loved it. I you know it just it's one of those things where it's completely unhealthy but it looks so glamorous i know right i know it's so ridiculous you're so right and we were addicted to it people just loved it back then (laughs) yes because i i equate that to to to, um, smoking because there's never been a time where i've lit a cigarette that i didn't feel like joan crawford right i know and that's funny I I used to smoke too back in those days so I totally feel you like I felt like Joan Crawford I felt like Glenn Close and 101 Dalmatians it was 
everything. <laughs> Did you have the, the, the cigarette holder that was like a little thin little thing? I, when I say this was before Amazon, before you could just buy things online and just have it sent to you, I scoured stores for months. Every <laughs> Walmart, vintage shop, it I went to pawn shop. I finally found two. I found one that oh. was the long one, like Cruella's, and then I found a little short one that was like a little, like a little, 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 little <laughs> small one. So when I was trying to feel butch, I would smoke the short. That's hilarious. I love it. Don't smoke, children. It's very bad. Oh, it's so bad for you. But you know what, though? I mean, back in those days, this was like, for me, I don't know. How old are you? Can I ask? 31. 31. Okay. So, yeah. So you were like, when, yeah, but you were like, what? In your late teens, early 20s trying to do that? Yes. 16. Yes. 16. Yeah. Yep. So I we were probably doing it around the same time. Mm -hmm. It was kind of cool back then. It was still kind of socially acceptable to do that. Yes. And I was, yeah. you know, when I was 16, ah. I had just discovered James Dean. So I thought I was <laughs> I love that. <laughs> T-shirt tucked in the jeans with the loafers, smoking cigarettes. When you're yes. Oh, I thought I was so cool. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. And I think for me, the person that, I, person that was like the smoker that I looked up to were like the 90s supermodels, like, you know, um, Kate, Kate Moss and all them would be smoking all the time. <laughs> I remember the first time I saw Naomi Campbell light a cigarette. It changed oh my, my gosh. I know. Isn't it funny how how susceptible we were to, you know, the, our icons? Yes. I was like, oh! <laughs> what she smoke? Where can I buy them? How much are they? <laughs> like, <laughs> Naomi Campbell became. That's how she does it. Like I equated her entire success to to smoking a cigarette. I don't know yes. what that. Was. Exactly. <laughs> oh, God. That's great. Good memories. Good times, man. Good Speaking times. Of kids, what what were your dreams growing up? Was it modeling? Was it woodworking? Were you trying to be a carpenter like Jean? Mm, I know, right? No, <laughs> back in those days, like I mean, someone put that modeling bug in my head, and I and it was there, you know. And this was also the end of the 90s so like you know the the whole supermodel on tv thing was very much a thing i think i think no no giselle wasn't on the scene yet so this was still like the 90s yes. and then like but then i graduated high school in 2000 and then went to college and it was kind of like the eras kind of shifted it was more of like gwen stefani kind of like you know, no doubt, like kind of like a tomboy girl type thing was kind of cool for a while. Yeah. And I, I still wanted to model, but like, it wasn't like, it was different. But then I went to this thing called a Pro Scout modeling event. It's kind of like where you, you go to this big convention center in your city and you, there's a bunch of agencies, agencies that come there, like 20 different agencies from all over the country. And, um, you know, all the major cities and they, they watch you walk the runway. And then if they're interested in you, they call out your number after everybody's done it. I did that. And I got like out of 20, I got like 17 callbacks or something. And I was like, so excited. I'm like, yes, it's going to be so great. And this agency out of New York City called Pauline's um, says, like, we're going to send you a contract. And I'm like, yes. 
And then I literally get a contract next day to me in the mail. And it was September 9th, 2001. And then two days later, 9-11 happened. And I was like, I was like, oh no, my dreams are like shattered. I'm like, oh, I can never go to New York. And you know, our country's being attacked. And it was like so terrible. And, but at the same time, I was like, you know, I'll just, I still want to do this. So I did, I did some stuff locally in, in very small scale until my agency, agency from New York called me and they're like, Hey, you know, things are getting back to normal here. We want you to come back up. And then I got a chance to go to New York and do a little modeling up there. It was cool. But that was like 2002, probably. It was a long time ago. <laughs> You know, it's crazy to think about it because, like, I still think about like 2002 being like five years ago. I'm like, really, really? Oh, I know. I'm like, oh, okay. So that was just like 10 years ago, right? Right. I still think, like, I still refer to like the old days as like, like the 90s. Like, 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 like. I still think that the 90s happened like 15 years ago. I still oh, think that it. Oh, definitely. Right I know it's crazy and, and a good litmus test for me is like when I think about like oh the 90s were just so that wasn't very long ago right it was only 20 years ago not 30. I, my brother was born in 1990 so I'm like oh no David's like almost 32. <laughs> and, like, and that, no, no. <laughs> that me now because now like I can like 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 now the fact for me is like I remember where I was when when the year 2000 happened. I remember yes. where it was. I remember I was actually I actually partied like it was 1999. <laughs> Me too. I thought I thought the world was gonna explode. Like now I flex on being old. It's like I remember when they sent you the internet on CD in the mail. <laughs> Dude, I totally remember that. Do you remember like ordering them and then like getting in trouble because your parents were like, why did you buy this? <laughs> Like, 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 when did this come? What happened? Like, why yeah. do I go for AOL? Who's AOL? Yes. Like, oh my gosh, AOL. Oh my gosh, you're taking me back there right now. Yes. Like, I like, 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 child. Now my, like, like, now my big boy flex is like, just saying what people don't remember. It's like you've never been through having to unplug the internet so your mother could use the phone. <laughs> I know, right? These kids have no idea. Show me what no I know. No clue. <laughs> like, they have it so good. Yes. I'm like, oh my goodness. If you children age, you'd have a heart attack. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. <sighs> I used day. to love that. The good days, <laughs> man. And we can get away with murder back then too. You could like go sneak around and go to some party and like no one you know do some crazy stuff make out with like five people no one now <laughs> yes it's like now nowadays it's like dude if you sneak out you're a find me is on your mom's iphone she knows exactly uh -huh. it's like everybody's if, if snapchatting you about you <laughs> right it's on snapchat the next day you want everybody's story on instagram showing your behind like it's just a mess social media is the devil but follow me on Instagram. Um, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's so great. Real reality, real now. Um, <laughs> so, the extent of your early modeling career pre-top model? Hmm. So, 
Uh, it was pretty, like I said, the stuff I did locally was pretty, pretty basic. I was doing like stuff in Chicago and Cleveland and, and then, um, I went to college in Ohio, so I was closer to those two cities. And then, um, about a four hour drive to Cleveland from where I was in school and two hours or I'm sorry, four hours to Chicago, two hours to Cleveland. And then I moved back to Pittsburgh, um, and modeled in Pittsburgh too. And then uh, New York a little bit, but it was back in those days, like it was totally different. So if you're doing, um, it was a lot of catalog stuff for me. I didn't mm. do any runway shows really back then, maybe a couple, but it, they were very small scale, nothing fancy. But the catalog stuff was like, you know, you, you show up and you just, you're working there all day long and then you'll see yourself in an actually printed catalog for whatever the brand is, you know, JC Penney's or I think I did a lot of stuff for this company that sold clothes to like army bases. <laughs> nice <laughs> super random so it was all like really basic cotton t-shirts they're all like the same color <laughs> like, all i love blue, it. all brown all green <laughs> yeah very strange so just a lot of local stuff and then once i um went to new york it, this was again still everything was shot on film i don't even think digital cameras were very good back then so my agency would say, hey, you know, we want you to get some stuff for your book, which again was came as a big, giant, printed 17 by 11 picture that they got printed and physically put in your book. An so this was like, yeah, like a, a real book. So they'd call my mom and they'd say, hey, uh, you know, Donna, can you send us, can you wire us, Joni, $200 so she can get this photo shoot done with a local photographer and my mom's like my mom's poor like I'm talking like food stamps honey like there's no she don't have $200 back back in those days was a lot of money so my mom was like okay I'll try to make it happen I don't know how she did it but my mom did that for me like I think at least two times and I'm sure she strapped herself but she she really believed in me she really wanted me to be up there she was so proud of me and um, did a couple little photo shoots to put in my book, and and I and you know what? Back in those days, it was so cool. I I was just reminiscing the other day, like how did I meet? I have a friend named Doug, okay, who's a big magician, works with like David Copperfield and stuff. And I thought to myself, how the hell did I meet Doug? And I started going back in my clock. Okay, I met him through this person. That was one of my first photo shoots in New York. And if it wasn't for meeting that photographer who took me to a party after we were done shooting, then I would have never met Damien who introduced me to Blow. You know, it's just like, you just, you meet so many people through these awesome connections and all these photo shoots and stuff. Like I've got lifelong, lifelong friends from it. It's so cool. That is awesome. Yeah. Shout, shout out to Miss Donna, first of all. Cause, man, <laughs> shout out to Miss Donna. Cause listen, yes. I grew up with parents like that that like mm-hmm. did me. So like mm-hmm. I always so like I always obsess over parents that like really like nurture their um, kids. Shout out to Miss Donna. She, <laughs> she did that. Yes. yes. Um. She did. She did it a lot for me with with very little, and so yeah. But she's a good lady. Love that. God bless her. 
What do you think is the main thing that you learned doing local modeling and your early New York modeling that prepared you for America's Next Top Model? Hmm. I think I was used to working with photographers. You know, I wasn't afraid of being in front of the camera. Um, kind of knew like basic poses and, um, you know, just that that sort of stuff, like being in the light and not so much. I mean, I know Tyra was like, find your light, <laughs> find the light, you know, but I think I already knew kind of how to do that. I knew where my, what side was my good side and how to pose for the camera and stuff like that. So that definitely helped me prepare for that. I wasn't scared and I had, I had really come into my own as far as like being comfortable with my body. So by the time top model came around, you know, I knew, I knew my best assets, if you will. <laughs> and I like, wasn't afraid to be in a bikini and stuff like that. So yeah, I was ready. Hi. Now let's catch up on Joni today before we jump into America's Next Top Model. How <laughs> did you get into your DIY passion and where did the woodworking mm -hmm. come from? Sure. So, oh man, like I grew up around very handy people. Uh -huh. You know, I, I my, my mom worked in this steel mill. My grandpa was a welder before my dad became a pastor he worked in like the glass industry so he put in windows and banks and different big buildings and very handy people so I was always around tools always around people fixing stuff it was very common for me to know all these things so I had I'd lived in LA for a while I was traveling and doing stuff and I came back from a, a stint of travel and I met this guy who was like well you know I know you're a model, but like, I, I know you can fix stuff too. You know, I've been talking about you with my friends and stuff. Can I make a video of you building something? I said, sure. And so I just was like messing around with some power tools and he made a video of me and sent it off to a TV network and said, Hey, this girl is a model, but she likes to build stuff. This is a long time ago. It was like 2008. And so after, from that, I got an audition to be on a, a, a DIY network show and I and I got the job and I got the show but from that I they threw me in with this construction company and they were like you need to learn all this stuff so we're going to send you in weeks before the filming of the show you're going to be like inundated with information and we're going to put you in and I said okay let's go and that's kind of like where I learned all these skills but then working on that show for four years I became obsessed I was like I love this this is this is what I want to do I feel like I've gone back to my roots a little bit I'm, I'm comfortable with this I love it I like the feeling at the end of the day knowing that I've made something beautiful or that I've you know helped somebody with their house so on and so forth and then from that just became an obsession I just wanted to become better and better at things I got my contractor's license and just got more into it and it became a thing now ever since I mean I've been doing it ever since and then the woodworking just kind of came with that once you become skilled at construction you have to learn how to make things out of wood because now you might have to help somebody rebuild the closet that you just tore out so why not learn how to build a closet so it just was like hand in hand hi mm-hmm 
the name of this show that you got? And can we still find it today? Like, can I go? I'm wondering. I know. I don't know because I know now the DIY network has been changed. It's now called Magnolia Network. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if the same programming is available anywhere, but I I do have it on DVD. Maybe I can put it on YouTube or something. Try to find a way to burn these CDs and put them on YouTube. My computer doesn't even take a, a CD anymore. That's all. Computers have changed. Remember CDs, children? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> right? That's how but, artists used to make money before you had streaming services. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was oh how artists gosh. used to be before 360 deals were a thing. Mm-hmm. CDs used to have value. People used to break into your cars and steal them. Yes, that was bad. <laughs> that was why your mom got a radio stolen back in the day. <laughs> oh, dying. Yeah. <laughs> but I do, it was, it was called Run My Renovation. That was the first show. And then I did like two other shows. I did like one called Yardcore, one called Man Caves. And then um, got into trading spaces and uh, the next show I did was called Remix My Space with Marseille Martin was the host of that and the newest one I just did was Renovation Hunters so I've been doing like yeah all the renovation stuff for a minute and I love it it's so much fun that is awesome now, when is Renovation Hunters coming out and where can we find it? Or is it out Yes. Now? So Renovation Hunters was interesting because it it was, again, it was similar to my upbringing. Like I grew up in Pennsylvania in the country. So we hunted and stuff. Like it was kind of fun to be like, bang, 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 back in the country, you know, <laughs> doing that kind of stuff. Love. But it, was a, it was a lot of work. And so, but that show will be um, airing next month, February 24th on the outdoor channel or you can watch it on Hulu or Sling. Love that. Mm-hmm. February 24th. And it's literally just a bunch of good old boys, you know, talking about hunting deer and like we just fix up a cabin. That's all. <laughs> Congratulations. That is awesome. Thanks. Of course. Talk to me about the Little Bit podcast. How did you come to do that and put that together? Oh, thanks. Um, so I think this, you know, after trading space, at the trading spaces, I thought I definitely want to do a podcast. I don't know what kind of sparked it, but I had this energy and I really wanted to, to jump on and, and just talk about things. I thought it would be really fun. And I know Sabrina Soto, who was on trading spaces with me, was like, I'm going to do one too. I'm like, let's do it. So we kind of fed off each other's energy. And um, she has a different podcast, totally different. Hers is more about lifestyle and stuff. And mine's about talking about a little bit of everything except politics, because I am not getting into that. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. Fair enough. And this is also during the pandemic Trump era. So I was like, I'm definitely not talking about this person. So let's just not do that. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, so we just did, you know, I just did little episodes about everything. I have so many talented friends. I've got friends who work in agriculture and work with pets or sex therapists or, um, you know, just have had crazy lives and they just want to talk about their story or whatever. So I kept the podcast short. They're all between like 15 and 30 minutes. 
and they talk about just random stuff. I talked about my battle with depression. I talked about, you know, alcohol use. It's very personal. There's really cool episodes about America's Next Top Model. I'm spilling a lot of tea about that. So it's cool. It's fun. That. What do you think is, of course, what do you think is the most impactful show on that podcast you've done so far? Man, I've gotten a lot of people reach out to me about um, depression and about speaking about taking an antidepressant and what it did to my body and my brain and how it made me feel and kind of updating people as I went through that journey. Um, I had a lot of people reach out about that just to kind of say, hey, thanks for sharing, you know, your story. Um, but I also think that the the top model ones were great, too, because where there really wasn't anywhere to talk about that stuff. I mean, you can talk about it on Instagram, but the problem with Instagram is once you post something, it's gone. You have to right. repost it like every week for it to be seen more and more and more. But with the podcast you can let people know where it is they can go and listen to it so it's like very tangible but yeah probably top model or talking about depression nice mm-hmm. what's the greatest thing you've learned from a guest on your podcast hmm. gosh so much stuff I mean I just I love learning about um, just anything I that I really don't know anything about at all I love learning about so like when my friend came on and she's a horticultural person which means she knows everything about plants she was telling me about you know edible landscapes and you know what plants are great for like your area and where what's a plant here and when to plant it and stuff I don't know anything about anything about gardening and I just loved learning about that I thought that was great because now I've got in my yard I know I'm really great at growing herbs and peppers and lettuces and things like that so now I just kind of I'm turning into this like green thumb lady over here I love that (laughs) I'm becoming all the people I didn't think I was going to become growing up like I turned 30 and like became a dog person like I love that like, like now I love dogs more than I love humans oh, <laughs> me too <laughs> so I'm just waiting to like buy a new house and like start gardening because I know that I'm gonna turn into like Jody's mom from the movie Baby Boy where like she's gonna like yeah, yeah exactly and grow her vegetables and, and just drink her wine and talk her shit and I'm <laughs> watch I'm gonna be like now I'm gardening I'm growing yes <laughs> all other types of things Joni mm-hmm. talks things praise God yes oh definitely all the things now, <laughs> when, now when can we expect new episodes of your podcast that is a great question so I have been um, recording them but I haven't put them out yet I, I was really going through a moment of like I was very uninspired. I was feeling super low. I was kind of bumming out on just life and the holidays got me down. And then just like a bunch of drama popped up with some friends and family. And I just was really not feeling myself. And for me, like, I'm not going to put myself on the, on the air. If I'm just negative, if I'm not feeling right, I can't force it. And I'm not going to record an episode and be like, hi everybody like I just feel like you know it's just I don't want to I want to be real but I don't want to come on the air and be like 
oh, I'm just feeling like shit today. I don't want to talk, you know? Yeah. So I just wanted to wait till I was in a better place and I can put out episodes that I thought, you know, sounded good. Because you might record it and then you go back and listen to it and you're like, hmm, I don't know if I sounded like I was in a good mood this day. <laughs> and I know you can't always be in a good mood. You know, everybody goes through things. But for me, it was pretty, it was a pretty deep seasonal depression. You know, it sucked. I love that you're willing to take that time and just be like, you know what? I'm just not feeling it. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just doing it for today. Not doing no. it today. Right? Yeah, not doing it today. You can't. You got to be listening to your body and your brain because, yeah, if you force it, it just just not it's not you and it also just is i think it brings you down even more because then you feel like it's a chore yeah mm-hmm. i told you that i was mm-hmm. doing a YouTube channel for a while and you know my youtube channel was talking about pretty intense things like you know social awareness and racism and xenophobia and like all of those types of things within the pop culture space and so i so like i was curating these really heavy and intense analytical conversations but about housewives (laughs) (laughs) i love it you know joe rogan and spotify and about the view and about like (laughs) you know sister wives but i was having this in-depth analytical conversation about like society and patriarchy and like women's rights and xenophobia and racism and it was like yeah but I'm the person that doesn't know when to stop because like oh, I, okay because I because I'm the one that's like but it's bigger than me it's yeah. bigger than yeah. children like, I I'm, know no that's good you're passionate that's really good so I'll be on air in full-blown tears like oh, I didn't people about the greatest you're, you're braver than I uh, yeah, but I don't but I'm also the person who's ignorant enough to not really watch or listen to my own content like when I was doing my YouTube channel I actually like did all of my own stuff so like I watched it when I like put together the videos and like did the did the editing and stuff but after that like I, I don't listen to my own podcast mo- most of the time mm-hmm like, I just kind of let it go. So if I sound crazy, if I start crying on the show, which I promised myself that I would never cry on my own show. Mm-hmm. Now, if you invite me on your podcast, I might go, go on that. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be the episode. <laughs> I'll let it all show. But I ain't crying over here. Somebody got to hold it together over here. So, <laughs> but, so, so I, I, good on you for, for being that and like knowing when to say when because I'm the one that, that will literally melt down on air and have yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I it, it's hard sometimes you know sometimes you definitely you could get you could get really emotional but I try not to or I like I've erased the entire podcast and just been like uh-uh, no I don't want to post it <laughs> yeah I've done it I I've gone back and, you know, deleted videos. I've deleted episodes of podcasts. I'm like, uh-uh, child, I can't, uh-uh, new. Like, yeah. when people are reaching out to me and being like, hey, I listened to your podcast. Are you okay? I'm like, oh, hell no. Now I'm like, some guy yeah. gets, hey, 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 we need a break. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I've been, like, especially when I'm doing the podcast, like, now I do this all day. So, like, now I talk to y'all. So, if y'all start crying now, I can just, you know, console y'all. But mm-hmm. 
me doing the show by myself, like I never would be like, I would always be the person to forget that I can just stop recording, take a break and come back. Like, oh, I would, that's nice. Like I would just record through it and boohoo and let it all out and talk through it. Cause I'm the person that's like, I'm the open book. I, you know, I'm still going through it, but I'm willing to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I did all the time. <laughs> Ooh, shout out to the people yes. Hey, y'all. Because <laughs> they've been through some things with me from my YouTube channel to now. We done been through some things. Shout out to y'all. <laughs> I love it. Now, before we get out of your business and dive into your America's Next Top Model experience, what do you think is the one thing or characteristic about Joni in your childhood that you've carried into Joni as a grown-ass woman? Hmm. Uh, definitely, I would say, like, my goofiness. I don't know if, if being silly and goofy was a coping ne- mechanism for me as a child. I think part partly it was just because, you know... Uh, I don't know I just I think being silly was the way I got attention a lot of times and being funny and if you're not popular and you're not the pretty one in school you know you how do you get attention you, you try to excel at different things so whether it be like acting or music or whatever I feel like that kind of brought me attention so it was easy for me to stay silly and I'm still a silly person now but I, I think I do it for different reasons I think I'm just silly because it's just who I am now I'm just a goofy person (laughs) I love to be goofy I think like I laugh at stupid stuff like I okay if somebody sends me like a reel and it's like people after a colonoscopy with these huge farts like I will literally cry tears like I think that's hilarious like I'm so gross (laughs) that is funny I'm like yes send me all the fart things send me a, a picture of like the biggest turd ever pooped like I will laugh hysterically at that like I'm disgusting like I love it I love <laughs> I just love that kind of stuff that is too funny <laughs> oh my disgusting <laughs> too funny listen because I like I have like a dark sense of humor but I relate oh, okay. to you using like like laughter as your way of coping growing up because I feel like for me you know, I don't necessarily think I'm funny, but there is something inside of me that jumps and that's warm every time somebody laughs at something I say. Yeah, like, I know, right? It's a good feeling. Yes, like I felt that my entire life. Like it's always felt really good. Like, 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 like it's always made me feel like I did something with yeah. something I said. Yeah. In that kind of thinking, I'm I'm absolutely terrified of doing stand-up comedy, so I don't know what feeling that is. But, hmm. <laughs> but <laughs> that is my biggest fear: is fucking yeah. stand-up. It's my biggest fear. Um, then you should then you should do it, right? To face your biggest fear. Sure, yeah. I have venue is to do that because, mm-hmm. like, I've stand-up sets my entire life, but I feel like because I want to be. Well, not want to be, but like, I imagine myself as a Paul Mooney type of comedian. Oh, I love it. Paul Mooney, Dick Gregory Paul type. Mooney. Who like oh. really talks about what's really going on, but like says it in a really funny way that it's like, yeah, this is, 
Wow, I'm actually laughing at racism. Okay, cool. I know. Paul Mooney was like an absolute gem. Yes. He was, he was the best. He's he's definitely my comedy icon. Like him and out of left field, com- completely left. Him and Kathy Griffin. Oh, okay. Okay, <laughs> yeah. She's, yes, her humor is very, very like, oh shit, she did not just say that. <laughs> Yes. And for me, I love Kathy Griffin, not even necessarily because of her comedy. Like, yes, I do find her funny and hilarious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Storytelling type of um, format. But for mm-hmm. me, I just kind of like watched her for so long, like doing the Bravo stand up specials. I've seen every episode of my life on the D list three times. Wow. Um, like I've been obsessed with her career because she's made a fortune off of being the underdog and being the person that people underestimate and being on the D-list, which I've always mm-hmm. thought was she was on the D-list and lived in a $3 million house at the time. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> she's Catholic. So it's like, you know, yeah, being Jewish. But <laughs> so it's like mm. I've always thought like if she can have this great career and make this great living off of being what people consider like the bottom of the barrel in Hollywood, then I have a chance to do any damn thing I want because she's incredible. Yes. Yes. I don't she is. But I know. <laughs> that almost sounds like an insult. But it, what I mean, <laughs> Kathy, take that as the compliment that it is intended, doll. <laughs> yes. Now, Let's jump back into reality TV. What made you send in that audition tape, go to that audition, go to the casting process for America's Next Top Model? And what was the experience like getting on the show? Yeah, so um, it had been on TV, you know, for a couple of years and we watched it. You know, I think I started watching it. I might have started watching it on season three. I don't think I watched season one or two until because that one girl from season one dated that Brady guy or whatever. Like, that's how I knew about her. I didn't really watch her season. Yeah. Yeah. But I think I watched starting season three, four. And then my boyfriend at the time, his brother was like, hey, I saw or heard on the radio or something on TV that they're doing castings for this show in Pittsburgh downtown at this restaurant. You should totally go audition. And I was like, oh my gosh, maybe I will. Oh no, it was at a mall. It was at a mall. And I'm like, okay, I'll go. And I went down to this mall. I drove down. And Pittsburgh, from where I'm from, is about, and that's mm, close to an hour away. So it's not like close. And I remember driving down to this mall and I go to the area where people are auditioning and I waited forever just to get in front of the camera. And, you know, nothing happened. So from that audition, nothing happened. I never heard back. Well, um, you know, I still had my modeling agency in Pittsburgh and the lady that this photographer lady that I used to work with a lot through that agency, she did a lot of um, photo shoots for me for my book. Her husband worked for UPN Pittsburgh. So it was like the local UPN affiliate station and you top model used to be on UPN before CW. The good old days. Mm-hmm. And so he was like, hey, Joni, you know, I'm actually recording this next audition and I'm sending in the tape. You should definitely come down. We're going to be at this restaurant now. 
and Becky's going to be asking the questions. I said, no way. That's awesome. I'll definitely come down. And I went down there and I felt so comfortable because it was Becky and her boyfriend and they were the ones recording me. I wasn't nervous. Oh, and they wow. asked me just questions like, why do you want to be on the show? You know, just the same questions I asked everybody and stuff like that. And um, I just felt so much more comfortable. And I don't know if that read differently on camera, but I definitely felt like that helped me a little bit because I wasn't so nervous. But from that process, though, they send in all these tapes and then regionally, this is locally, then regionally, there's a, a, a selection of thousands and thousands of girls that get picked. And then from there, you go to the next biggest city for the biggest, the bigger auditions. So it'd be like Washington, D.C., Atlanta, Dallas, Houston, wherever they were. They were very regional. So that also cut out a lot of people because people that didn't have the ways to get there to the next big city. Maybe you don't have transportation. There's, you don't have the time to leave or whatever. Right. I think that really kept people from going to the next step. Um, but I... This is so random. I had my that same boyfriend. His <laughs> older his older sister used to be married previously. Or, or no, I'm sorry. Her, this is a whole thing. My boyfriend's sister's ex husband <laughs> husband's ex wife. <laughs> oh, I love these stories. Okay. Oh, I love these stories. My sister cousin ex boyfriend's baby cousin Tracy. Yes. So this lady lived in Washington D.C. and she was like. Joni, they called down there. Hey, can Joni spend the night with you? Because she's got to go to this audition. And because I have any money, I I have nothing. I can't believe my car made it down there. So I stayed the night with this lady who happened to be a teacher. And she stayed up with me so late that night. And we created this three ring binder with all my pictures. And like, we we glued stuff in there and printed stuff out on the printer. Like, pick me. I want to be on the show. Like, it was like a little child get turning in like a book report. But I handed it to the casting directors. And that's the first time I met Michelle Mock, who's like the actual real casting director from Top Model. And she was there and I handed her my binder and I waited in this big mall called Tyson's Corners in in Washington, D.C. And I waited in this hallway, sat on the ground for four hours and in this room for another hour. Finally got my chance to be in front of the camera and do my spiel and talk and be silly and do the runway walk and everything. And then from that, they called me back again and they were like, you know, that's when the big phone call came and they were like, hey, we want to bring you out to L.A. And I was like, oh, so I got that phone call and then they flew me out to L.A. And that was like the top 33 girls. And we stayed for that week in Pasadena in the hotel. And then from there, they narrowed it down to the top 13. I know it was wild. Like I had to go through a lot to get on that show. A huge process and a lot of luck. You literally went through the seven circles of hell just to get I on I did. Oh, that is good. You earned that. You mm-hmm. earned that. That's Tell what I'm me. saying. It was hard getting on that show. Now, it was a lot of luck. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what they say. Luck is preparation meeting opportunity. So how much hmm. is uh, actually luck? You know what I mean? Oh, I love that. Thanks. You were ready, girl. You were ready. ready. Absolutely. Now, do you have were were when you were in the hotel for the week down to the Pasadena? Mm-hmm. Were you like allowed to like fraternize and like hang with each other and kick it and kiki like like like? Mm-mm. 
like was this like cheer camp or like were y'all sequestered like the contestants on Drag Race? Oh yes. Oh very much sequestered. I didn't even know they sequestered drag race people. That's funny. But yeah, that hostage. Oh damn, I didn't even know that. They hold them people hostage the whole damn season. <laughs> Dang. Yeah, they do for Top Model, too. We weren't allowed to talk unless the camera was rolling on your face. What? So, that, so Rupa, okay. Oh, wow. So, Rupa mm-hmm. already gave you a lot of shit from America's Next Top Model, including yeah. that. <laughs> including that. Yeah. I mean, no lie. I, can, I could honestly see them having similar producers working on the same shows. I mean, it works. If you, if you sequester people then they can't speak so they're bottling up everything they need to say so when you do record on them you get more drama you get more juice you get more fun you get more craziness it makes sense it does make sense do you have any type of memories from that week in (laughs) or like or or, um, from your time in the hotels did you break out did y'all go and you know, run down to the Chick-fil-A or the Jack in the Box. <laughs> I don't know what's going on around where y'all was filming at. I'm trying, I'm trying to think of something local. Del Taco. Mm-hmm. El Del Poyo. Taco. <laughs> <laughs> Can funny. I get some more? Uh, like, did, did, did you guys break out? Did you guys go and, you know, do something crazy? Did you guys go smoke weed in a valley somewhere? <laughs> to a rock no. Roxy? Like, mm. what happened off camera? Uh, I didn't do any of that. I know, um, uh, I think Ferranda's maybe some couple of girls did escape, or no, Ferranda escaped on the show. She escaped one night with Nena and they like ran away. <laughs> oh but, my. Um, I know. This was after they got, they both got um, eliminated, but they had to keep them in the hotel for like an extra week and the girls were like going crazy. They were like, we got to get the hell out of here. <laughs> and then they snuck out of the hotel. Um, but uh, we didn't do that when we were sequestered it was very I mean this was in like a very nice hotel and to get out of the hotel you're like the rooms are way in the back so we all had our own room and they put us in our rooms at night and we were allowed to I think we were allowed to have you know call our mom or whatever and um, stuff like that but we we would have to really go through many chains you know hallways to get out of there and I think they had people in the hall all night looking making sure we didn't leave it so was crazy. TV, like, 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 what was on TV at the time? Like, like, what was keeping you from jumping out the window and just like crawling down the um, fire escape or something and being like, "I want to go to Denny's." I know. I think it was just like being seriously. I was very afraid of those people. I was so afraid of those production people because they were all like, "We," I mean, they would tell us like, "You know, we we know everything." Okay, we know everything about you, whether you told us about it or not. We know about it, so you better tell us, anyways, because we're gonna find out about it. Like it was that kind of fear. They would say these kinds of key words to us, and these little, and we were like, "Oh snap! What do they know? What do they know? Do they know that um, I shoplifted from JC Penney's one time when I was like 14? Like, what do they know about me? (laughs) You know what I mean? It scared the bejesus out of me. I'm like, I ain't, I ain't leaving. These people are going to hunt me down. They sound like the principal from Hey Arnold. We have your permanent record. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
but yeah Man. so no I was I was listening to every word they said and I was very yeah it was all good awesome that is so fun. you better be it was, <laughs> it was great I had a great time I mean even though it was a lot to get through what I went through and, and be a part of the process was still an adventure absolutely now besides a great model what did you want not only the judges but the audience on the show to receive from you going on or did you even think about what we watching the show back would see when you were filming like how I portrayed myself or Mm -hmm. yeah um again I was just like I said I was scared I didn't want to give too much I didn't want to be you know I didn't want to say inappropriate words and I tried not to curse or anything or get drunk or whatever I I was concerned about my family watching the show you know I could have wowed out a little bit and gotten drunk because we had opportunities to drink I was like 24 you know it was like I wasn't like you know I had drunk been drunk before and stuff like that so I just just wanted to be good you know I wanted to look nice on tv I didn't want my mom to watch this and be like shaking her head like disappointed (laughs) so yeah I just behaved myself (laughs) I love that. Describe a typical day of filming. Mm -hmm. Uh, Once you actually got into the house, you were actually in the competition, you were off to the races. What was a typical day of filming like once you made it in the house? Well, um, you, once you're in the house, you know, the entire house is lit up like, uh, like you're on set for that 70s show there's lights in all the ceilings there's lights everywhere they're fake and they they control them so they don't turn them off until the last girl puts her head on the pillow and goes to bed so just in case people get up to get a snack and there's there might be a huffle and huffle buffle in the house and something's going on they don't turn the lights out so you could be hella tired and want to go to bed but if jade's in the kitchen making a snack so all the lights are on so it's annoying. So you're you're in your bedroom. You can't turn the lights off. That sucks. But now you get whatever, have three hours of sleep or whatever that we get every night. The lights come on in the morning. And the first thing you have to do is go to the laundry room on the side. There's a side door. And the, the audio guys come in and mic you. And then the day begins. So now you're mic'd up. And you're wearing these mics all day, every day, every... In- they're never off of your body they become a part of your skin literally and oh so you know you go you you make your breakfast or you're straight out the door you're jumping into the black SUVs and we're going to wherever we're going to the first set um, sometimes you could speak in the car to each other sometimes you didn't it just depends if there's a camera rolling or not but then you get to the set you walk in and you're like you know hey girls this is what you're doing today and go sit in here and make up and let's begin or sometimes you have to sit out in that car until they're ready to shoot that intro because maybe they're setting up the lights for jay or tyra or whoever's there and you had to wait for hours and hours and hours in the car sometimes and it was so uh, annoying and you were starving to death and then when they finally did feed you they brought in like big silver catering trays full of like pasta and salad and little things or like whatever the heck we ate a lot of it was Italian food. I don't know why I'm remembering Italian food, but <laughs> you, would just, you would be shooting all day and then they'd bring you this thing. You'd make yourself a plate. That'd be like the only food you'd get all day. And um, a lot of it was just sitting around and waiting, honestly. Like like when we did the CoverGirl commercial, we did that CoverGirl thing and like you're just 
waiting because you get your lines you have to memorize these lines which i was so nervous about this obviously everybody knows about my the way i did my um commercial but (laughs) i get i hear it all the time that's like the number one thing i hear make it through the day like laughs about that i'm like oh my god but it's, it was a lot of freaking work and you had to wait all day long. So like some girls shot their commercial in the morning. I don't think I shot mine till like after dark. It was crazy. So it was just a lot of stress, a l- very little sleep and lots of waiting. That was what it was like to shoot. <laughs> God bless you. It was crazy. <laughs> I swear. <laughs> what do you think now? Can you remember what you were expecting from the process going into it or like what you thought you were getting yourself into and how did that compare to what you were actually getting yourself into? Mm, No, I think it was similar. You know, it was a lot of excitement. I did expect it to be fast paced and exciting and it definitely was that. But um, no, I don't think it, you know, I also didn't really know what part of it didn't, I didn't know what to expect. So, you know, everything's a mystery. And that was a lot of the stress about it because there, you didn't know what was coming minute by minute. You're constantly on edge and you're constantly stressing out majorly and, you know, nervous or you're like working yourself up like, okay, what's coming? What's happening? Oh, okay, here we go. It's like jumping off a, off a cliff into like deep water every day like every 10 hours you're jumping into off a new cliff into deep water that's what it felt like wow wow yeah (laughs) what is what is the challenge what is the photo shoot from your cycle that lives rent free in your mind what is the one thing not even that people bring up to you what is the one that you personally just will never forget Oh gosh, I absolutely hated the bald cap one with the diamonds all over our head. Why are we doing this? This is so stupid. This is the dumbest thing. And it was the first one we ever did. I thought, nah, don't set the precedent here, honey. This is so bad. This is the ugliest thing. It was terrible. And what's funny is like these wigs, that these caps that they made, some of them were like made right then and there out of like this rubber they weren't like proper caps I think they made some of the caps right then and there because they wanted to match skin tone and some of them were like clear and some of them were like white flesh toned but then we had to create different flesh tones and um, and they were like deteriorating so they weren't meant for makeup to touch them so they'd put them on someone's head and then they would start to fall apart and it was just like chaos people were like trying to figure out how to make the, this not happen and it was just it took forever to do and then the photo shoot took like 10 frames he was like and then we were done and I was like dang this is nuts but the pictures were stupid I, I hate looking at it now granted I get it there was a whole thing about alopecia and it was a good message and I really think that was wonderful but the but the whole thing itself was not didn't make much sense to me you know what's so funny about that is that y'all did a photo shoot embracing being bald for the alopecia and the girls today they just make the girls wigs yeah 
So they would so so nowadays y'all would have done that same photo shoot for alopecia in a sickening lace front. And an amazing lace front, exactly. And a nasty piece of wig. In yes. A- <laughs> oh, it would have been amazing. That is so funny. That shout yeah. out to because that that is one of the ones that lives rent free in my mind for yeah, y'all that was a weird one and for y'all season one of the ones that i'll never forget well for the one that never made sense to me was the princess mm-hmm. falling photo shoot i was like why are they doing that I was like, oh why? gosh yes why got y'all falling off a bridge like what is going on <laughs> <laughs> uh, why oh i know it was terrible like, why couldn't we just been jumping on a, tam- uh, a trampoline? Like, you know, if you still wanted us to be flying through the air and stuff like that, why did we have to be literally falling off of a 40, f- 40 inch to 40 something inch table onto a gym mat on our sides, hitting our necks and our shoulders? Like, we could have seriously gotten hurt. I mean, like, I was stiff for like a week. Like, y'all huh? were like like not even like a a tub of foam or something like y'all wouldn't even fall it in foam no. fall it on no. a mat like it that's terrible like yeah. it reminds me of like the Fresa Bruta shoot when the girl hands <laughs> her head on that fi- on that fiberglass yes that's, y'all walk so that her scalp could run directly into that because <laughs> that oh. I was like, that looks painful. Mm-hmm. It was terrible. And I almost couldn't do it. Like, I was so afraid. And I, like, I just couldn't let myself fall like that. And um, and the, the, the photographer, like, noticed. And she she goes, Joni, you got to try this. Like, she, she talked to me, like, so no cameras were on me. And, like, Jay wasn't there. She's like, you got to do this, girl. Kind of like, if you don't do this, you're going to get kicked out. Like, you have to freaking try it. And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Like, like, girl, I'm, girl, I'm falling off a bridge. I'm not posing nude. Like, girl, you asked me to pull my titties out. That'd be something different. Yeah, but exactly. I, <laughs> I was like, I'd rather show you my boobs. <laughs> like, girl, I'm falling on my throat with an yeah. apple in my hand. Like, I'm supposed to be yeah. cute. What is going on here? No, it was uh, terrible. You didn't even got insurance <laughs> on me. Like, girl, what you mean? Like, <laughs> where the medic? Can I get I a professional? On this photo we shoot. never had there was never any medics around by the way oh not so that you, i know of they just threw y'all up on it because that was my next point the one that lives rent free for me and y'all season that was the fierce one for me was the mm-hmm. fo- was the elephant baby that was the best you and that leg missing oh it was that, a wonderful photo shoot and that yellow drip Rent free. It was free. fabulous. That face, that mug on this elephant with this leg and those muscles, that calf muscle. Mm-hmm. The calf muscle was, Joni. Oh. I need to know that. Because that leg was it. I was like, wow. Thank you. That was so much fun. I, that was the best day of my life. Ah, that's dang. right. That's right up there with like any other day of the best days of my life. It could be the best. See, now I have that fantasy, but you just ruined it for me when you said they ain't had no damn minute. Because now I'm thinking about the simple life when when damn Paris Hilton got fucking trampled by that horse. 
I know. Y'all was on elephants, ma'am. I could have seriously died. Like, legitimately died. Like, <laughs> and they would have just been like, uh, yeah. What do we do? Yeah. Yeah. Did you get the shot? Um, Did you get the (laughs) shot? Because now her neck's broken. Hi. Her neck's broken. And now we have to figure out a way to airlift her out of the middle of the fucking. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I know. It's a, it's a, it's a wonder someone didn't die on that show. Honestly, truly. Suspending us over freaking emptiness with like out of sight skyscrapers and over um, rivers in Thailand with like, you know, attached to nets without, without the ability of being able to move our legs. Could you imagine if during the mermaid shoot, we would have crashed into the river? I would have drowned. I would have drowned. Yeah. Like I always, like I always think about in cycle two and, and, and you, you said you didn't watch cycle one and two, but they hung these girls. It was like just an empty, space they were like 30 30 fucking like yes who knows? i think i yes i did see that air. one though yes oh I, God, I, I just think what if what if what ah! i know it's crazy like i because my because that's one of the photo shoots that live rent free in my mind like i always think about shandy in that in that hold uh, hanging above mm-hmm. the and I was oh. thinking, like, if that cord would have just snapped, then they would have just, oh, my God. I know. There, oh, there could have been multiple deaths. <gasps> then that like, show would have been over. You know that, right? If that would have happened, they would have never, ever come back from that. They would have never come back no. from that. I just imagine, like, they had no net, no nothing. like, And they was just like, it's fashion. Yeah, exactly. It's fashion. <laughs> and what? And they also got away with so much racist shit, like, like blackface, full on like the stuff that they got, like they made people switch their races and stuff like that, holding different babies on their hips. Like, I I can't watching that now. I'm like, what? That's why I'm always until the day I die, push for an interview with Tyra Banks. Oh God, good luck. minutes of your time because that's what I want to ask about I don't want to ask about nothing else I know everything else that I need to know about you and I can drop links to your life story everywhere on the internet so everybody can know everything that they want to know about you what I want to know yes Ira Lynn Banks yes why 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 did you do that girls in Black's face Mm -hmm. international television (laughs) <laughs> I thought it was a great idea. <laughs> and you know, like, you knew what mm-hmm. was. It wasn't like, just because they didn't teach Black history in schools doesn't mean that Blackface wasn't something that, 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 that oh, nobody... Oh, yeah, we... Yes. Was, yes, we knew about, we knew about minstrels growing up. We knew it was wrong. You knew what happened with Whoopi Goldberg and Ted down to the roast. Yes, Exactly. Yeah. Like, what was that? Yes, exactly. Oh, it was terrible. God. I mean, there was other things, too, like... There was other things, but that... Yeah, but that was the big one. And and people cheering, like, you bringing people babies into this, like, girl, and, 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 and I got an eight-year-old daughter, so, so I get real sensitive about cheering. Girl, mm-hmm. no man, that mm-hmm. was... <laughs> 
Oh, my word. Yeah, okay. that was terrible. Also, like, the way that they would rip on your appearance, they would be like, yeah, well, you're considered plus size when they're really not. Or your teeth are messed up, so you can't be a model. Y'all never had like, a plus girl on America's Next Top. There's never been a plus size girl. Before. Well, Takara was full figure. That, but, but to me, she was like, she was, yeah. Two different things. Right. But by the I way, Takara had the most banging body I've ever seen in my life. Icon. Like, she was so hot. Icon. Icon. She, she ages like the best of oh. wines. Like, She's beautiful. That woman looks like a sculpture today. She looks go- oh! mm-hmm. Yeah, she's wonderful. Shout out to Takara. Yeah, shout I- out to Takara. Girl, come on the show because I would love to. <laughs> but speaking of appearances, let's let's go ahead and get into the teeth thing because I want to go back before y'all came into the house and um talk to you about Danny, not Danielle speaking mm-hmm. of the race in the show but mm-hmm. speaking of appearances let's talk about this whole teeth thing mm-hmm. I watched your interview with Oliver Twigs right oh yes friend of the show shout out to Oliver yes Oliver he's been here before too hey Oliver he's wonderful now um girl um you um I don't even like I didn't even write down a question about this because I just I didn't even know how to word. Mm-hmm. It what? was wild. Like I feel like Caroline Manzo talking to Danielle. What you did? What mm-hmm. they did? Mm-hmm. Ma'am, they literally yes. took your entire bottom jaw off. Seriously. Like, oh. The whole tell the children because some of y'all really need to thank God y'all didn't go on this show. (laughs) Well, okay, so truth be told, I was very happy about it, and I am still very grateful, you know, because when I came on that show, my teeth were they were they like were hugging each other, they were all crooked, they were overlapping. I had snaggle. I had like a lower snaggle, snaggle, which you couldn't even see. I had two teeth on the bottom. Ne- you know, you got the four teeth in the front. Then there's like the, the one next to that one. Mm-hmm. That one and the one next to it were sharing the same space. And they were like back to front in front of each other. Like they were in all crazy. So if I opened my mouth, I looked like a demon. Like it was insane. So it was okay though. I was I was used to hiding it. I was had a very crooked uh, mouth because I would always favor one side. I had learned to really hide my snaggle tooth, and um, even to this day, I mean, it's I can if I'm smiling right now, I can feel my muscles, you know, are stronger on the right side. But it's taken me a long time to be able to like show my whole mouth. Anyway, mm-hmm. so when they were like, "We're gonna fix your teeth." I was like, what? Like, I couldn't believe it. I was so grateful. But what they did to me was, it should have been illegal. Because what they did to me was, in one day, they did four extractions. Okay? That's a big deal. Four extractions, like an average person to heal from four from one extraction takes weeks. So not only that, but now you've pulled out two, three teeth on the bottom, the one big tooth up top. 
and then you put crowns on top of or, or temporary crowns on top of it uh, straight away. So I'm I'm healing underneath one piece like plates. And then when you're healing, now your teeth are shifting. So the teeth that didn't have room to, to live before are now like, oh, there's room over here. Now I'm going to go to the left. I'm going to go to the right. I'm going to spread out a little bit. My teeth in the back, I had, you know, my wisdom teeth removed when I was like 21. Mm. Now all those teeth in the back are like trying to push forward. And I have to heal for, mm, I don't know, six weeks. So I finished top model with big one piece plates that looked like real teeth but they weren't the finished teeth they were really hard to they were thick it was hard to speak with them in my mouth and um and then after the show was over they flew me back out to LA I think four or five times and I'd stay out there for about three days at a time and get more and more and more and more dental work work done until he was finally done putting these crowns on all my teeth and so I had a lot of adjustments and a lot of things because of all the shifting but what I needed always in my life was orthodontics I needed braces I needed teeth removed but I needed braces and I never had that so he I have a, a, an overbite that will never be addressed because I have no way of fixing that now um, so I have orthodontic issues that will never be fixed and um, cosmetically like if anything goes wrong with these like I've got three bridges if anything goes wrong if anyone cracks or breaks or something falls out or gets loose it's all on me, honey. I'll have to pay for all that now. And that is expensive. So oh. you left me, you fixed my teeth and whatever, and that I'm grateful. But now I'm left with like this huge, like, what if, you know, what if something happens to my teeth? Like, I hope, you know, I'm in a good place. I, I could afford it. But what if I couldn't? I'd be so screwed, you know? To get one crown done is like in a root canal or something. That's like $5,000. Yes, I was about to say, Chad, what do you eat now? Because I'd be like, ooh, <laughs> mm. I'm like, ooh. with a shell around me, child, I can't eat no shellfish, I can't have no crab legs, I can't deal. Girl, give me a off here, child. I got the, uh-huh, child, I can't touch nothing, honey, give me a pan salt. I, I know, right? I'm like, corn nuts, oh, I'll, I'll pass. Right, I can't have sunflower seeds no more. <laughs> I can't have my preps no more. Take a bite out of an apple? Oh, no, no, no. No, no ma'am. I don't Bubble think I've ever taken a bite out of an apple in like 15 years. <laughs> oh my God. What do you, how do you nourish yourself, darling? Well, I don't miss them. I don't miss any meals. So I'll tell you that. <laughs> I love work. You better tell no, me too. I love, I love food. I love to cook, but you know, I, I, I eat pretty much everything else. I just don't take, I don't, I don't eat on a hard tech candy. I'm not trying to pick a bite out of like a super hard thing. And I don't go play dodgeball or anything. <laughs> <laughs> she said, "Amelators." <laughs> Period. Yeah. So, but no, I, like I said, I'm happy. I'm I'm lucky to have that because it, it gave me a lot of confidence and it helped me to work a lot more in television and stuff like that. Because I don't think it's really it would be really hard to have the teeth I had, and you know, I hate to say it, a lot of it is people do want you to have a nice smile with certain things so sure. yeah but yeah it was crazy <laughs> a chance you're gonna have a third career in boxing after this oh god could you imagine <laughs> you know, she's, she's, she's gonna ruin it all and get her teeth knocked out just so she can be on the mma done exactly. 
woman got her entire mouth ripped off. Yep. She go and go do MF. Really? Mm-hmm. boxing match? You never know, girl. I might do it. I might hey. be in there. I might go for it. Go. Go ahead and you know fly down to the to to the Columbia somewhere and, and get brand new. Why not? Like the I know. I thought about that, but did you see that one Facebook video of the girl that went to Turkey and she got like the same thing I did and they messed her up real bad? She got bad infections and stuff. No, I haven't seen oh. that. I'll have to send you the link. I'll try to find it. I saw the one video of Sukihana. She had got veneers and she had bit a crab leg and lost her whole tooth. <gasps> Ooh. Oh, it I didn't just, see that. But like, it came out. She Ooh. can't even eat crab legs no more. And I'm, I, 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 I'm a foodie. Like, I don't know if I can Like, <laughs> I know. Oh. No, I love food too. I just, I, yeah. If I couldn't eat, I would be. Where would what, what would be the point of life? It, it, right? <laughs> Why? What's the point? Like <sighs> these diamond teeth in their mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, we'll do a we'll do a teeth podcast next time you come on yes. the show. Yeah. Did you go into the show thinking you would win, or did you just go for an opportunity? Where were you at when you got the call? Like, did you get the call <sighs> and be, bitch? I yes. just want next top model or did you go in and be like oh this is going to be like summer camp um hmm I mean I was confident like there were definitely girls in the season with me who I thought were very beautiful that I was like you know I'm like okay she's got she's got the height on me like she's taller she'd be better at runway or her body is sick like I don't know my body don't look like that like she's gonna be way hotter in like bikini stuff or you know whatever I, I would compare myself to the girls mm-hmm. but I knew that I knew that with posing I was very very confident in my abilities with that so I knew I could always take a good picture you know or try to anyways like pose and try to be what the photographer wanted me to be but sure. I mean but the thing is that the the show is just like you never know what they want you know you don't know what they want they don't you don't know what they're looking for like they choose you because you well this can be debated but they choose you because you have the whole package you know like you could do on camera stuff you can do the runway you can do the photography you can do all the things but at the same time like I think a lot of it too it came down to it I think in the back of my mind they had a top they had a top five that they always from the beginning had a top five like we like these five girls we're gonna keep an eye on these five girls as long as these five girls don't mess up don't get in a fight don't do something to get kicked off like eat any of these five girls could win that's the way I think it went down I think they had like after maybe like the first two episodes they were like mm, okay these are our top five we would be we would be happy if any of these girls won but then I've heard I've heard different people say, oh, well, you know, it was a, a white girl one, then a black girl one, then a white girl one, then an Asian girl one. Then a, like, I'm, not, I'm going out of order, but like they kind of switched back and forth between what race the girls were that won. Uh-huh. And I saw that too. And I'm like, oh, maybe. I mean, I don't know. I don't think so. 
but that could have been the case you know like like they always loved Danielle from the beginning they were like Danielle's gonna win no matter what I don't know if that's true or not because here's the thing what if Danielle would have said no I don't want to get my teeth fixed would they really have kicked her off I don't know you know I don't know because she genuinely was like listen like I'm not closing it all the way I'll move it but I'm not I know I'm so glad she did I'm so glad she stood up for herself I commend her this day I'm Mm -hmm. like she's much like to me that was the moment where where like I was like if she don't win then this whole show is rigged because that's what this whole thing is about right yeah Mm -hmm. that's what this whole show is about right and she's Mm -hmm. still entering in the in the challenges like yes like if she don't win then it's rigged yeah definitely well we're gonna have to see how far Joni's walk came in this runway and we're gonna see how (laughs) I'm you know I'm gonna count nobody out you know what though that last one was that leg and that elephant I was like Joni done turned the tide for me I was Mm. like you're so funny (laughs) no that last the last runway show I didn't feel like I did a good job because there were all these little yellow flowers on the floor and like every time people stepped on them they turned into mush 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 and the shoes I had were like these wedges and you couldn't put like a heel down let a toe a heel down toe you had to just step 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 kind of like a horse hoof and Mm -hmm. I kept slipping and sliding and I couldn't really get a good stride in I couldn't try to really bring it and like put my hips forward and I just didn't, I felt like it was a detriment to my walk. I, I didn't do a very good job. And the headdress was huge. I looked ridiculous. I had to keep my head, my neck really stiff so it didn't fall off my head. And I don't know. I think, I think I kind of didn't get a chance to really bring it. <laughs> at the same time, but at the same time though, Danielle definitely deserved to win. I'm still standing behind that to this day. She was the best. She was wonderful, fabulous. She's amazing. And and look at her. She's still modeling. She's still doing it. Still 16, it. 16 years later, she's still doing it. She I mean, that was meant to be. Bizarre recently, I believe. Like, yeah. Ah, it was meant to be. Absolutely. Because she absolutely turned it. That Now, I will say that, that, that your second walk was fierce. I don't know what was going on with that hairdress, but I think it was you were, you, you were just trying to hold it together. <laughs> Like just trying to literally just hold it together in this walk. Yes. Like, like, like I'm literally just getting through it at this point. Yes. And second one, when you came through with the sandals and the headband and the braid, I was like, oh, okay, she in. Now she's feeling it. <laughs> okay. She said, y'all take this headdress off of me. It's over with. Watch. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's the okay. But I felt like Daddy just came in on a mission i feel like she was just like oh i don't give a damn if i gotta walk on water bitch i'm taking this mother i'm taking this up. <laughs> it's over with like <sighs> then on top of that she she has one 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 of those walks that just floats on water like mm-hmm. she she's floating if you're not paying attention to her feet i mm-hmm. live up. her salicia oh. Eva, oh. Um, i know uh what's her name Katarjana, she has that oh. walk. Mm-hmm. Oh, Katarjana I know. sends me every time. I wish I was like two inches taller. I just, those girls had the longest legs or there was just something about like, yeah, Katarjana's legs are just so beautiful. And like, I, oh, 
I think I have a long torso. I don't have as long legs as some of these girls, but oh damn. If I could have just been 5'11. We always want we always want the grass is greener, right? <laughs> we always wanna be five. I've spent my entire life being like, if I could just hit six feet. Right. Like I'm 31 and I'm still like, I'll take 5'10. Yeah. Like, please. I know. I'll, and I'm like, I'm probably shrinking. Probably. I'm sure that I am. The, the only thing that's not shrinking is the length of my feet. I'm like, like, why? Why? <laughs> like, why do I have La Cienega? Bu- 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 oh, bu- my gosh. Ridiculous. That's hilarious. I anyway, love it. Shout out to La Cienega. Now, I recently saw Feronda Post. She just came on the show recently. Shout out to Feronda Brassfield. Oh, my favorite person ever. Yes. I- so much. We got so caught up talking about life and activism and policy and all, all of that type of stuff. We didn't even get a chance to really talk top model, but that's fine because I really had a different conversation with her that I thought that the people needed to hear. So I saw her post recently that clip of Danny and all of the comment, not Danielle Danny, because y'all know she changed her name when she got with the agency and stuff, and now she's oh, not yes. Yet. Danny. Not her. I'm talking about the other Danny that didn't even get in the house. Oh, the, one- the racist girl. I don't like liberals. I don't oh, like <laughs> It was so aggressive. That clip, is, that clip is so aggressive. Yes. Okay. Now. That was terrible. <laughs> I have a couple questions about this moment because it it's another one of those things that makes your cycle live rent-free in my mind. It's moments like that. Cause that scene when y'all were sitting at, I think it was the um, Chinese restaurant and her and Danny got into it about the Abby Crombie and Finch. Mm-hmm. I was like, this why? This is why I don't need to be on nobody's reality show. Cause she'd have got her ass whipped playing with me. Oh, if it were nowadays, she would have, yeah. She would have immediately had her ass beat immediately. She wouldn't have been safe in the parking lot. That's mm-hmm. all I mean. Nope, the they would have had to pull us off of her. Yes, God. Like, when, like as soon as them cameras shut down, she would have got her ass mopped. Mm-hmm. Name. Anyway. <clears throat> okay. Now, do you think that Danny was actually a racist? Or do you think that she was just trying to, like, stand out and, like, put on for the cameras in a really bad way? Hmm. I think... I think she truly did believe these things. I think she thought these were like maybe, you know, values to her because she was Republican. And and I think she must have had that whole, you know, she had people in her ears and people around her that kind of really, um, what's the word, encouraged that in her life. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the Tommy Laren. You know who Tommy Laren is? The girl that was on Fox News for a while who was like the blonde girl. Who was like God and guns and everything else? I think she kind of had that that kind of thing. It must have been in her life to where she thought that this was cool. And when the producers they they must ask the right question because she was like, "Yep, let me rattle them off. I don't like this. I don't like that. Blah 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 blah." And I was like, "Right, damn. Okay. So, but back in those days, I honestly I'd never met anybody like that before. I never heard anybody say, "I'm Republican and I'm this and that." And I'm like. Really? I'm like, okay. Like, I don't know anybody like that. <laughs> so, wow. yeah. But I mean, I, I don't even think I was in that scene at the restaurant. 
No. I don't. I don't know if I was. I don't remember that exact you moment happening. Because I watched I that scene so many times, but you yeah. did one for Rhonda's post, which made me think to ask you about it. Yes, because I mean, I was. I, I couldn't believe she posted about that. I thought, well, wow, you know. And then we found that girl's Instagram, and now she's like this big vegan Trump supporter. It's pretty funny. Shock. <laughs> we that's pretty. Danny, Danny, where were you January 6th? Right. She was in the parking lot feeding people vegan uh, falafels while they was storming the Capitol. <laughs> you was in the parking lot selling plant-based turkey burgers to the Trumpers and the white supremacists. Oh, we're going to burn for that one. Come on the show so we can talk about it because I got some questions for you. Yeah. Now, to each their own. You guys can think what you want and whatever, but... I just want to have a dialogue to see if she's still that aggressive about it because I'm like, where's the root yeah, of... Yeah. I know. You always wonder. You always wonder. Aggression. Mm-hmm. Now, That's the one thing about those types of folks is like, where, where's the real fire? Where's it coming from? Like, what's yeah. angering? What's angering you? That's yeah, what I want to know. With you being a Republican, I'm I would personally identify as an independent, but it's not about you being a Republican for me. It's about you being a racist. Yeah, it's about you being racist. Like, what was that, ma'am? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I know like we were in a different time and everything, but it's not like racism was a new thing when you went right. on the show. One, why do you think? CW let that air and thought that that was okay to present on national and now international television because after season three y'all were up in the stratosphere mm-hmm. like I think I don't season- know that's a great question I don't know why I would love to know I mean it's I I just wonder like you know in the in the editing house you know I've been to the their headquarters their office it literally just looks like a basic office like you know, boring cubicles and everything else, but they had like stupid pictures on the wall, like of Tyra and stuff. But like, that they're just there's kids just in those editing bays, editing their little brains out, and they're putting all these clips together, and they're, you know, doing whatever. And I'm just wondering, but who's the person who made the last call? Was it Ken Mock? Who's the who's the real editing? Who's the editors? Like who's those? that little group of people do they sit down with network people and ask these questions to them or do they just send them a, an episode and that people watch and go okay like who's that person i don't know i have no idea like was there a like was what like girl, what what where was the black people in the room like where was jamal Right? That was like, oh, are you gonna air this? Like, what is it? Like, or it like, like, did he like, did like, did they yes. raise some sort of conversation about racism? And I was like, but y'all didn't have no conversation. We didn't have any conversations about it. Mm-mm. Okay. You know, we did have a black producer, female producer. Gosh, I can't remember her name now. But she was our. She would be the one that would like sit down and ask us questions as we, you know, did our OTFs through the season, went to Thailand and all that. She was with us. Um. There was her, and there was maybe one other person of color that I saw on a regular basis. Uh-huh. Everybody else was white or Latino, maybe one Asian person. That's it. Uh-huh. So I didn't see a lot of diversity. Got nope. Yeah, not a lot. Of, not a ton of diversity. So there you go. 
<laughs> Funny how a show ran by an Asian man and a black woman lacked the first. Okay, sure. Um, no. Well, it is LA. <laughs> that part. Uh, <laughs> I think that Danny didn't make it in the house because she was a racist or because she was a bad model. Both. I think they just brought her on for like, ooh, listen to this crazy person. Okay, that's all. <laughs> Thank you. That's going to be a great first episode. Yeah. yeah. Let's hit, let's bring them in. Let's bring in the ratings, folks. What did you take away from the reception of the audience once the show aired? Mm, I mean, it was like, this was back in, I think MySpace had kind of just began. So I didn't really have anybody to go off of besides my local newspaper and my family and whoever I hung out with, some friends and stuff like that. But but back in those days, like the, I was still living back home in my small town and the newspaper people and all the local papers and stuff, they were like, we want to have you come out to the mall and sign autographs. And I was like, oh, really? Okay. And so I went to the mall and there was a line out the door of the mall. I cried. I couldn't believe it. I thought, holy crap, these people all come here to see me and to meet me and to take my picture and get me to sign something. I, I literally could not believe it. So once that happened, then I realized the gravity of the situation. Otherwise, I didn't know. I was hanging out with my mom and my best friend and my boyfriend and grandma and, you know, I didn't, I didn't have a, a regular job. I actually was working, but I was cleaning a, a doctor's office at night. Mm-hmm. That's how I made my money. So I didn't I didn't see anybody there either. It was me by myself cleaning. So yeah. I don't I didn't realize the gravity of the situation, how big the show was until that day at the mall. Then I was like, this is crazy. I wanted you to tell that story because I know as somebody who was there, I remember the show airing and there was barely I, there may have been MySpace at the time. Like your season aired what, two thousand Six. Mm-hmm. So, MySpace was maybe just becoming a thing. It just popped off around mm-hmm. the time that your cycle aired. Yes, yeah, I think you're right. So I get, yeah, that's that's crazy. But, yeah. um, I, 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 I say that because I wanted to compare it to your reception from this new generation of people now that there's th- there's been this resurgence of top model now that it's been on streaming services and then mm-hmm. then you know hell froze over I mean COVID happened mm-hmm. and um you know we were all stuck in the house and what mm-hmm. better to do besides sit and watch yeah. America model for 10 hours a day eating ice cream that just happened to be made by Tyra Bay. Anyway, yeah. um, <laughs> what, like, what was what was that reception like when I'm sure you got this flood of like people following you? It was like, Jody! Yeah, well, back the MySpace thing, uh, they they thought it was a fake account. They like, there's no way to prove it back then that you were you're you were a real person. So I remember p- taking a picture. I would write my name. I wrote MySpace.com/slash Joni. Dodds or whatever my screen name was at the time 
And I wrote that on a piece of paper and I took a picture of myself holding this paper and posted it on there. I had some followers, but even back then, I don't, I don't remember how many I had. I don't think it was over, I don't know, a couple thousand people or something. It wasn't crazy, but I did get, I got stalkers. I got some weirdos and stuff that would like come to everything I ever went to and were really weird. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was interesting. <laughs> now, <laughs> it was interesting. <laughs> it was interesting. It was very interesting. Now, as the runner-up, was there like a second prize? Like, was there like Mm-mm. a running package? Like, Mm-mm. did you get like a side? <laughs> like, was there like a coin? Like, was it nothing? Like, y- like, Mm-mm. like you was just like another one of the losers? Like, what? Yep, like, that's dang. all. No, they were like after the shit, they what announced the win. Was it? <laughs> So like they were just like thank you, yeah, you? literally. Thanks That's for it. Yeah, they were like bye, bitch. <laughs> no, no. After the show was over, they announced the winner, and I go backstage, and I'm like, I'm a little overwhelmed with emotion, and I I don't know if I cried, but I was just very like overwhelmed and couldn't believe it was over. But I was happy, you know. Tyra comes back with Ken Mock and Anthony Dominici, who were like some producers, and they were like. Joni, you were amazing. You did a great job. You know, c- congratulations. Thank you so much. You know, very kind to me. Gave me hugs. And then then that was it. And then Danielle came back and I was like hugging her. And I'm like, oh my gosh, congratulations. But they did kind of whisk her away and do a lot of interviews with her and stuff. So I sat in the back for a while and just kind of, I think I ate some food and waited for everybody to be done. Then we all drove home, got to the hotel. We all said, yay, with the other you know people that were there I think there was still one or two girls left at the hotel and we all left I think we stayed for like one more day and then we flew home and then um after that though I didn't hear hide nor hair from anybody until like three months later when the show was about to air they called us up and they were like the show's airing on this day we're gonna do some stuff and this is the time of the show and da 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 and then maybe three months after that I get a call from Tyra and it came from an unknown number so I didn't answer it <laughs> she leaves me a voicemail she's like hi girl it's Tyra Banks and I'm like oh shoot I didn't answer the phone I'm like dang it I'll call. if she calls me back I'll answer it again not well, she called name yeah <laughs> it's Tyra Banks wow and I'm like okay and then she calls me again and I didn't I missed it again so I missed both phone calls from Tyra I don't think I even got a chance to call her I don't if I did I don't remember but she left me a message she goes hey Joni there's an agency in LA my front my friend I think her name was Kyle Kyrie or something like that runs this agency it's called new n-o-u-s and they want you to come out to LA and I was like okay if Tyra's looking this up for me I'm going to LA I, t- I told my mom, Tyra wants me in LA. She goes, okay, you bet, you better go. <laughs> so this was like, the show had not been done airing yet. It was like March or April. It was kind of like midway through the season. I called up one person that I knew in LA who was, um, I'd remained friends with. And I was just like, hey, can I crash your couch? And she was like, of course. And so I moved out there, crashed couches for a while then you know just ended up sticking it out I stayed with like the 
um, the costume designer, Charlie Altoona, I stayed with him for a while until eventually after about being out there for like a year of literally crashing couches, I met Lisa D'Amato and then she and I roomed together for like two years before I traveled internationally. Crazy. It was crazy. But I moved out there with literally $500 and no car, nothing. Yo. I worked at I worked at a bar and like this bar this uh, DJ was like I got an old car you can have but it's got a boot on it and it got a lot of parking tickets on it but if you can pay all that you can have it <laughs> yeah and that's what I did it was like seven hundred dollars and then I drove this little nineteen eighty six Volvo around LA for about two years that's how you got to make it work you got to beat the pavement and make your dreams come true I. <laughs> that. I love that. Uh, now, I'm crazy. Now, since they flew you home and basically called you when they needed you, do you have any connection to Tyra or the rest of the judges today? Mm-mm. Well, I am friends with Nigel. Hey, friendly. Bye. Yeah, he's go- He's doing well. He lives in Catskills and near Woodstock and um, he's he's doing great, you know. I, he's he's been very nice, and we've chatted and stuff like that. Um, I've always wanted to reach out to Twiggy. I've always wanted to find her and say hello to her, and just I would love to be friendly with her. But I don't know how to do that. I don't maybe Instagram, but um, the Jays I don't really speak to. I think I saw Miss J once after the show, and that was pretty much it. Um, and I I post I like comment on his Instagram all the time, but he never tags me in anything i think he tagged me in one thing i'm like yes don't forget about me i love you yeah um, i love you. i know and then mr j i don't haven't heard hide from her of either and then tyra she only had me on the tyra show like four times to embarrass me and then i was like goodbye yikes yeah every time i went on there it was terrible so but i don't know tyra is just like she's a businesswoman and she's very successful and you got to give her mad respect for that but as far as treating us like humans, I never felt like I got much love from her in that way. She just was very much like, hey, you know, to, if I say jump, you say how high, you know? Yikes. <laughs> yeah. But it's okay. Like like I said, you can't hate her for anything because you were on a show that changed your life. So you got to you got to take your wins where you can get them. Yeah, I'll take A lot that. of people don't feel that way about, about what I just said. There's a lot of girls that are on the show that have absolute hatred for Tyra Banks. And they just want to, you know, come at, come for her. And, like, I just, I don't feel that way. I've moved past all that drama. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the experience of the lessons that it taught me and the doors that it opened for me. And I got to just move on, you know. You got to move on from that. Yeah. I totally feel you on that. Mm-hmm. Your cast members from your cycle. Do you keep it in touch with the girl? Yes, I talked to Veranda. She's wonderful. I probably speak to her the most. Yeah. Um, she's really great. We're trying to meet up this year. We're trying to meet up somewhere in the middle, like Houston or Dallas or something, and just have like a girls' weekend. Ooh. Um, talked to Molly Sue a lot. She's fabulous. She's doing well and. Um, every once in a while I'm friends with Carrie on Facebook actually and you know I comment on her pictures and stuff she's doing okay and I just recently reached out to Nena on through Instagram and I was like 
your family's beautiful and hope you're doing well she's like thank you so much good to talk to you and everything but you know very very simple conversation and then the one that kind of breaks my heart though is Danny because I don't know what happened she just kind of fell off and didn't ever really reach out to me and I just would love to be to talk to her but she never responded to any of my messages and just kind of forgot about me <laughs> I don't know why Oh, I know. I don't know why. And Molly hang, hangs out with her all the time. And I'm like, tell Danielle I said hello. Like, yes. Okay, bye. Basically, <laughs> you go over there. In fact, call us, call her on three way right now. I know. I would love to say hi to her. I just, I'm so proud of her. And she's doing so well. And I wish her nothing but amazing, wonderful success. And I hope she knows that. Yes. Yeah, she's great. Well, then, if you listen, listen into this, one, call Joni, damn it. <laughs> call me up, girl. You have my number. Call I think my... you have my number. Damn. Call her. Hit her up on something. Or get my number from Molly and just shoot me a text and say, hey. Yes. Call Molly and get her number. Yeah. Like, I'm not trying to, like, you know, I never, if maybe she doesn't want to bring up that model anymore, like, I would never want to do that either you know I just want to say hi that's all maybe you wanted one of her hats or maybe Maybe I would love a hat maybe you wanted her to come on one of your new renovation shows maybe she can hunt a renovation or something there you go maybe you got a check for her call Joni call me up please miss you girl yes yeah that's okay though then I won't ask you about top model either because I got a whole lot of other things to ask you about (laughs) <laughs> now people when I told people that I was going to ask you and Ferranda this question mm-hmm. people were laughing when I said this but I'm dead serious like this, like this, this is a very real question mm-hmm. what did you actually learn about modeling from America? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I mean, probably just working the long hours because I went on to model, obviously, and that's definitely something that happened. Um, but honestly, I don't know. I mean, you did, we walked runways a little bit, but you, when you practice the runway walks, you're doing it on your own. You're doing it in your house, you're doing it down the sidewalk, you're doing it in the mirror. You know, you don't get a ton of experience through Top Model doing real runway shows. I mean, that all comes in real life, Um, you know, but working the long hours, honestly. I mean, there's been times I've worked for catalog jobs or runway shows and like I've worked in China for a lot of several months and I would be there all day long, all day long. Like, leave at 6 o'clock in the morning, take a two-hour train, get to where I'm going, get picked up in a van, dropped off at some warehouse, shoot for 12 hours, jump back in the van, go back on the train. I mean, it was insane. These days were insane. But that's, you know, pretty much it. Otherwise, it was just all fantasy. Like, who and what planet are they going to put you, like, in a situation, like, on an elephant for a photo shoot? Like, only Giselle gets that or, like, someone crazy, like shooting an ad for Tommy Hilfiger or something. You know what I mean? Like, that's not real life. Yeah. Yeah. If you take 
a picture, like if you were modeling today, if you decided to come out of retirement, like Tyra has allegedly done, if you could come out of retirement today and you were modeling and you could take one picture from your season of America's Next Top Model book and one picture from your original book back when you had the big 17 by joint mm-hmm. joint before with the waters with with the picture in the shower with the bikini and the makeup if you could take one picture from both of those books to put into your book that you would go into modeling today which one of those pictures would it be man i mean uh i mean i don't i don't look the same anymore <laughs> i mean i do but I, my body doesn't look like that anymore uh but like gosh i don't know i really love the um I mean, the elephant's iconic, but I love the housewife one. I love my body in that. I love the holding the martini with the guy. I think that's a great shot. That could be in any any ad. It's so cool. Um, I love that one a lot. I love the CoverGirl one's okay, but they they retouched me so much. They changed the shape of my nose and my cheeks and my chin and my lips, and it was so airbrushed and fake. But I mean, just to show people the versatility, like your body and up close shots probably something like that and then the elephant there for fun love that yeah I would model again I mean I would be doing more like young mom type bleach commercials but that's that's the way the <laughs> that's the way it goes that is the way it goes child. you know now why did you stop pers- like a- like actively pursuing modeling mm-hmm well, I'll tell you what the moment was for me. So I remember being in Hong Kong and I was doing a runway show. Or maybe, yes, I think it was Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, gearing up for walking down this runway and everything. And there's we're all chatting and there's a bunch of girls behind me. And they're all just gorgeous Amazonian, like six foot tall, beautiful girls and everything. And the one girl was like... 13 years old or 14 or something like that she was huge but she was like super young like 14 15 very very young I couldn't believe my ears Mm. and I thought and I was 26 and I was like I am twice her age Uh. this isn't I'm too old this is way too crazy and then when I was in Milan the next year I was living in the model apartment and my roommate that was sharing the bedroom with me in the bunk bed was 17 and I was like, I was like, good Lord. I'm like, I am. And they called me grandma. They would joke about it. We all laughed about it. But I was called grandma in the model apartment. I would like protect these girls. Like these Italian guys would try to pick them up and like take them out. And I was like, no, she's a child. Get away. Go. Leave. Leave her alone. You know? And I was just like, oh my gosh, I just am so old. Like I'm almost 30 years old and I'm still trying to do this. Like some girls can do it. And I used to know a girl that modeled till she was like 33. But that's like, it's so very rare, you know? I just thought at at a certain point, I was like, I need, if I'm going to pivot in my career, I might as well do it now while I'm still young. And I still have like my, my youth and my, my beauty or whatever, my face, I can still go out there and do TV and stuff, you know? And then that opportunity came with that DIY network. And I saw that I was like, goodbye. This is my chance and I'm doing it. That is so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So that was it. And now here I am. 
16 you, years later. <laughs> <laughs> can you speak to the complexities of being on a reality show and like being on a reality show about modeling and then going off of that and trying to actually have a real modeling career? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I had to go out of the country to be taken seriously and to make real money. Nothing here in America ever worked out for me. I was always the girl from the TV show. You know, some people thought that was cool. Some people were like, wow, you're joining from Top Model. Please be in our runway show. But runway shows, got you got paid jack. You got paid maybe 200 bucks to be in a runway show. Was, there was no money there. Um, you know, you're doing photo shoots and stuff, maybe a campaign or you get in a, on a commercial or something like that but they people didn't take me seriously I hate to say it it was such a bummer I was more of like a, a novelty than I was an actual model but when I went out of the country like in Asia they loved it because I was from a, a TV show that they watched in their country and it was a huge deal and I booked everything I was like yes Asia I'm working here forever <laughs> I'm like this is amazing but um, yeah my, the United oh. States for me was very poopy uh. mm-hmm. yeah such a bummer it's okay though it is what it is yeah but I guess that happens in music too when like people from like music reality shows um, like you know the love and hip hops and stuff people would never really take them seriously as you know, in that field either when they do do music, which a lot of them, I understand why, but um, yeah, I wonder why that is that Americans don't take their own seriously, but then we get appreciated everywhere else. Mm-hmm. A lot of Dean Baker being appreciated in France, but yeah, yeah, being appreciated in China. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that makes, it does make you feel really cool. Like, wow, I mean, you know, you're in other countries and you know, it's funny, my Instagram, which, by the way, is very strange. I, I'm i trying to get my engagement to grow with the DIY stuff, but it's really hard because I went into my analytics and I looked at my followers, and I mostly have my number one country where my followers come from. Guess where it is? China. Ecuador. Really? Random. Like, most of my followers, the majority, I should say, well the highest percentage of people are from Ecuador. Interesting. I know. It's wild. And then the next biggest city is New York City. And it's women ages 25 to 35 is my biggest uh, demographic. So definitely people that watch the show growing up. Yeah. Yeah. And if I post a picture of me and Tyra Banks on there right now, I'll get thousands and thousands of likes. But if I post a video of me like making a beautiful jewelry box, I'll get like 200 likes. <laughs> so it's, it's, you know, I know where my, I know where my viewers, you know, interests are. So, but yeah, it's okay. It's, that's the way it is. That's fair. Yeah. What keeps you up at night? Hmm. Honestly. I wake up at night and I worry about, you know, how the health of people is, you know, are they doing okay? How's my grandma? How's my mom? Like, I'm worried about them because they're old, you know, 
just don't want them you know i don't ever want i never want to get that phone call but i know those phone calls are going to come one day because we don't live forever you know i just worry about that kind of stuff because it's ha- it's going to happen soon for me with my grandparents they're very old and they're just so such a big part of my life i just don't want that to happen and just worry about it you know and i also i think about you know now that i'm 40 you also think about okay do i have enough money saved for am i saving enough for retirement because now you're worried about i'm going to work my butt off for the next 25 30 years am i going to have enough money to retire and be taken care of when I'm older. And I hate to sound so such a bummer, but these are real things you need to think about. A lot of people want to just, you know, jerk off and not really work and they just want to be influencers and they don't, you know, they're just you got to think about your future. You got to start saving money, you got to start working even if you have two side gigs, put that money away, invest it. And I wake up at night and I think about that. I'm like, dang, okay, are we putting enough money into our IRA? Like, are we going to have enough money to retire? It's crazy. I I worry about this stuff all the time. I totally understand that, though. (laughs) I totally understand that. Me having a kid, it's like, I'm never going to sleep again. Oh, my gosh. I know. I couldn't even imagine having a child. Yeah, I was like, I'm never going to sleep again. And I have a girl, too. It's like, oh, great. I'm never going to sleep again. I know. Having girls is like, wow. I know. My sister's got three little girls. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. You're going to be so stressed out when they become teenagers. And they just want to wear short skirts. And you got to tell them no. Yeah. But I'm like, but like, I've instilled it in my daughter now. She's not allowed to date until I'm dead. So. That's funny. No, I mean, as long as you're always there for her, you're always honest with her, you show up to things and you're just like a big supporter of like her dreams and like, you know, give her, you know, give her opportunities to do things. Because a lot of parents, you know, they just say, oh, you know, that's not really what I want you to do. Like, I don't want you to play softball or I don't want you to be an actor in school or why don't you take piano lessons instead? It's like as long as you do what your kid loves to do and you support them they're going to be you know they're going to be more confident as adults and more accepting of others and it'll be great you're you're do you're going to do a great job she's 8 years old i'm sure she's wonderful that's the best age yeah she eight, eight is fun i'm slightly cool but i do embarrass yeah. her oh it's okay it's fine which i love it, it, I, I love i love it i love it <laughs> I absolutely love it. It's been my dream since she was a, an infant. I was like, I can't wait to embarrass you when you get older. Oh, I love I'm that though. Her, so because I'm the cool dad to her friends, but I embarrass her. So it's oh. that now it's like my happy place. I love it. Oh, um, that's great. Of course. What has reality television taught you about people? Hmm. Well, I think a lot of times people, there's a lot of people out there that just are so starved for attention and um, have very low self-esteem that they're willing to make complete asses of themselves on national television and they're constantly seeking and seeking and seeking more and more and more. They're like addicted to like that attention and they're addicted to the... Um, potential of fame or whatever I see that a lot in people and um, 
it's really sad. It just kind of opens your heart up to realization that, you know, there's people out there that are really hurting and um, just maybe they just need to be, have a friend and they just need to have some understanding, you know, and just have someone listen and be there for them. But also you learn how to distance yourself from those chaotic types of people too, because you don't want to be messing with those kinds of people. You do not want to be friends with those kinds of people because maybe they don't they're using you you know people use each other like crazy in that industry to try to get ahead to to ride on coattails and to step up to the next level and everything else and I don't want any part of that I don't want nothing to do with it I, I just want real people in my life I'm not trying to be famous I'm not trying to you know kiss people's butts and hang out with Hollywood people anymore I just want real friends I want real experiences I want you know, I want to live a respectful life. <laughs> you know? Of course. I just want to live a normal life and like have good friends that I can trust. And I want that circle to be small. You know what I mean? I too. I don't I don't need a twenty-five best friends. I'm cool with like four best friends, you know? I love that. Yeah. Keep it real. Your inner <laughs> circle should be small. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, those people on the internet don't deserve to have all the access to you. Yeah. That, that is earned. You know, and I really make that a thing because I have a personal page on Instagram that the only posts that are on there are when I tag the new episode like show to my new from my podcast page. Because I don't uh-huh. y'all don't I'm boring in real life. Like so, it's like <laughs> me too. <laughs> there's no like real for me to post on Instagram. Like the only yeah. thing that I'm posting on Instagram is what I'm watching on YouTube every day. Like what? Like mm-hmm. yeah, I'm boring. I'm hella boring in real life. Right after after we get off the phone here, I got to go out and sand for like two hours. I love that for you. I have to go get some <laughs> something. <laughs> Uh, but I got to get this thing done before tomorrow. It's a whole thing. So this is my life. That is That's fair. what I do. I love that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, do I have had th- a lot of fun talking to you. It's great. I appreciate that. I have had a great time talking to you too. Um, do, do you know how you want to be remembered? Hmm. That's a really good question because... You know, your legacy is all that's ever left when you leave, you know, and it, and you don't want people to be talking about the bad things that you did or the wild things that you did. Like when you're on your deathbed, they say that the only thing you really want are you, the people that love you with you. You don't care about your car and your house and your money and all this crap and your jewelry and everything else you care about who's next to you holding your hand you know so it's like think about the lives that you touch think about the people that benefited from knowing you like how did you make someone life better um you know who did you help who did you touch in whatever way positive like kind of like to live an altruistic life is 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 smart and it's good better for you too it, help, it helps you feel better as a person gives you something positive to kind of you know feed off of but like 
yeah just don't want to be remembered for like the lives I touched in a positive way and um you know people that love me that's all yeah and don't photoshop me in them ghetto ass clouds either when I die oh my god (laughs) but no like same though don't say like that is extremely ghetto like it's so bad I'm like oh no like it's not cute I will haunt you they'll put like you know the the picture of you that's kind of hazy with like the roses yes I don't like that like, like by the time I die, we will have had iPhones for over 30 years. Don't pick a picture of me when I had a Blackberry. Like. Uh, yes. High resolution. You can put like 81 to 19 or to 20. Well, how old do I want to be when I die? I want to be in my 90s. So 2074. <laughs> I plan on at least being in my early 200s. What? Oh, I love it. Well, they do have uh, advanced things now. They're saying humans will be in our lifetime living to be 150. That's what they say. I'm looking into all of it. So I'm like, I'm looking into all of it. I'm trying to be cryogenically frozen so that I can Mm -hmm. come in thousands and be like, what's Mm -hmm. good? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, and it's saying, what's popping? Remember that one? Was it Ninja Turtles or somebody? There was a brain that was just like living in a glass thing and he was just part of a robot. Yes. Was it Ninja and Turtles? I can't remember I think, the cartoon. I think so. That's me. But I'm going to have my brain living in a robot. I really want to be Sophia from the Golden Girls when they got their heads broken. <laughs> Sophia came back and like she had the old head on like the 30 year old body. <laughs> Give me that special. Like, oh. I want. I know. I'm not opposed to plastic surgery. I'm not going to be looking like uh, Dolly Parton, though, but I, I'll, 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 I'll zhuzh it up a little bit. Why not? I'm not opposed to it. I just haven't found anything that I'm desperate enough to get done yet. Like, is there things that I would want to get done? Sure. But I haven't found anything that, like, I'm insecure enough to actually be like, I'm going to go and, like, save money and, like, mm-hmm. have for my health insurance company and, like, yeah. do like I'm doing all of that. I could I do lipo. I could do um, maybe after I, you know when you get that old lady neck. I could get that lifted up. Right. That's about it. Maybe some titties, but doing the whole BBL that is going to be so not cool in about five years. It's going to be out of style. I have embraced my '90s supermodel body. I am so happy to have just enough ass to fill your hand. <laughs> I can feel your hand. That's all. You I know need. what? That's actually very sexy to me. I think people with little butts are cute. I really love it. I think. And I think it's coming back. I love hearing men say they tired of bitches with fake asses. I'm like, good. Yes. So is everybody else. So is everybody else. Yeah. But mm-hmm. anyway, especially yeah. Anyways, I could talk about butts forever, but yes, child. Because I just child. Because don't get. <laughs> Anyway, (laughs) is there anything that you would like to share with my audience that I didn't cover or ask you about in our conversation today? Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. You asked some pretty great questions. I mean. Thank you. Yeah. 
I don't know. I feel like if you if you've got any other top model questions, you can always message me on Instagram. I can let you know or listen to my podcast. Just we talk about some interesting things on there about top model. But otherwise, you know, just my only advice, I guess, if I was going to give advice to anybody, would be um, just you know, I don't believe that necessarily you can pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Um, I think that this country needs people. We need to help each other. It's really hard for people that come from poverty to get ahead in life. And like, I have no problem at all, like, like helping other people. And I think that's what we need to do. We have to reach out to people. We have to help them out. So my advice is like, if you want to get ahead in life, you have to help somebody else out in life because the more people that lock arms together, and build themselves up together our country is going to be stronger and more amazing and more wonderful and that's like one of my goals in life is to just give people skills and and help them out with their goals and their dreams just so we can all get stronger that's my advice last right. question before i let you let you go okay because i because since you since you solicited it, I, 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 I was going to cut the rest of the top model questions, but I do have one that I just am curious about because I just be wondering, do you know why Tyra Banks called America's Next Top Model by cycles and not seasons? Why would they call it cycles? Hmm. I don't know. It's a good that, question. That has baked my noodle for 20 years. I think it's because they came out more than one time in a year, right? Didn't they happen more than, didn't they come out twice a year? Honestly, I, it, it's been so long and I've had a whole era of smoking weed. I don't remember, to be perfectly honest. So, uh, but, but, but I, maybe. Maybe. But I, maybe. There, I actually heard a theory one time too. There was somebody that said they couldn't call it a season because of a specific reason. So they called it a cycle. And this was way back in like, in the very beginning I can't there was something that happened that they couldn't call it a season I heard another reason about gosh I can't really remember but I've heard a couple different theories but I don't actually have no idea it's a good question that's interesting they they had to have done more than one season a year though because there's 24 cycles and they were only out for like what 15 years well, yeah that? that's what I'm thinking I thought it had something to do with how many came out in a year but hmm. I could be wrong <laughs> well, I'll keep asking, child. But anyway, yeah. until then, where can the people find you? What's next for yes. you? All the yes. things you'd like to promote and send the children go and click on, follow, share, purchase, buy. Yes, to- yes. Well, like I said, I, I don't really have anything I'm trying to sell or anything like that. Like I said, I'm all about helping other people. So if you, as long as you get out there and pay it forward and help somebody else, get better in their life that make that will make me happy you don't have to tell me about it just go do it and my heart will know um but if you want to find me on instagram it's at joni sprague and that's all i just do instagram i might do a youtube channel why not but um yeah that's it that could be your next show child that could be your next show i might do a youtube channel you never know i'm only 41 years old I, you know, Vera Wang designed her first dress at 40. And look at her now. She's 73 years old. She's still killing it. Exactly. 
So oh. who knows? I could become the next Martha Stewart. You never know. Watch out. I mean, seriously, because Morgan Freeman didn't get his first big movie till till he was 52 years old. That's what I'm saying, man. You never know. You just got to keep going. I know that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Well, on that note, children, that has been our show. I have to let Joni go. She's giving y'all enough, honey. I have held her hostage for three hours, and she's sure she has better places to be than sitting on the phone talking to me about her old life, okay? <laughs> no, it's been fun. Being here? Yes, of course. Thank you. I, of course. I I appreciate every single one of you guys for tuning in. I, and I want to ex- extend a special, 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 special thank you to my guest, Joni, for blessing the mm-hmm. podcast. Thank you so much for being here, love. This was incredible. This was great. Thank you. Thanks for letting me tell you so many fun stories. Anytime. Come, whenever you want to come back, when the new show drops, Renovation Hunters, come back and talk about how much fun you sure. had doing it. If, if you just have stories that you want to tell and you ain't got nothing else to do, <laughs> okay <laughs> I'd be down sounds good so yeah come back anytime I want to remind all of my listeners to be real stay in reality and always always bring the realness I am Brian K. James this has been Real Reality Realness and until next time I love all of you guys from the bottom of my green heart emoji keep the mess in the message and misbehave yourselves Peace. Bye, guys.